0: All right, well, I want to talk about the tale of a whale. And I was thinking about this message all last week and and most of this week from the perspective, could I do it from the perspective of the whale? And I came to the conclusion, no, I cannot do it from the whale's perspective. Now, maybe a Spock could, because he did that mind meld with the whale in one of the Star Trek series, yeah, you remember that anybody? Anybody here, a Star Trek?y fan? Yeah. Anyway, I couldn't find a whale to, to mind meld with, um, so I, I just decided. You know, I'm not going to do it from the whale's perspective. However, uh, the Word of God has its own perspective, and it's the Word of God is alive. Now, the the story of Jonah we all know. And and we've heard it, it's, it's our grandchildren, our children, they've all had the Jonah and the whale, the man and the big fish, all of those books. And so, you know, most of us are familiar with the story, Jonah and the whale. But God saw fit to leave it in his word, and I think it's more than a story, because the, the word of God is alive. And so it's got a continual perspective, a continual update. You know how computers have to update all the time? My phone uh, yesterday told me, hey, you got to shut this thing off and, and, and let it turn back on. It's been 14 days or something since I turned the phone off. And I'm like, oh, it needs to be uh, renewed. The Bible talks about the renewing of our minds is through the washing of the water by the word of God. And why is that? Because the Word of God is not just words on a paper. It's not just a a, 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 a a book that was once written and doesn't change. The Word of God is alive, and it has a continuing refreshing to it, a continuing a revelation to it, a continuing renewal. So let's look at the book of Jonah. If you'll turn in your Bibles... To the book of Jonah. Little background on Jonah. He was a prophet. He was a contemporary of, uh, of uh, Hosea and, uh, and Amos. Hosea and Amos also, as prophets, were prophesying that Assyria would bring judgment, God would use Assyria to bring judgment against Israel. Okay? So Israel hates Assyria. And Assyria hates Israel. They not only dislike, they are mortal enemies. Jonah was operating from about 793 to 753 B.C. He, uh, he lived in a Galilean city called Gath Hefer, about four miles outside of Nazareth. At that time, Jeroboam was the king of northern Israel, and he was the most powerful king at that point uh, after David and Solomon. And, uh, and during his time... His nation was ever expanding. So they were on a, a, an expansion, a growth, a taking more and more land. And Assyria was, God was using Assyria to bring judgment to Israel because Israel continued to neglect God and to rebel against him. So due to Israel's progressive rebellion, um God was using Assyria as an instrument of punishment. So then in Jonah, first verse, chapter 1, verse 1, it says, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Now, Nineveh is basically modern-day Mosul, Iraq. So he said, go to the great city Nineveh, Announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked the people are. Immediately, he has Jonah's attention. See, Jonah's a prophet. Prophets like to declare the, the mighty, the awesomeness, the uh, victory of God. And here's their enemy, and here God says, I want you to go and Prophesy to these people, these wicked people, and immediately Jonah's like, yeah, I'm your man. I'm your man. I think he liked the idea of prophesying against Assyria. However, for him to go into Assyria as a prophet of Israel was pretty precarious at best. He was an enemy in the land. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked his people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. Now, there's so many lessons in the book of Jonah. That being one of the most obvious is like learning how to be obedient to the Lord and not running from God. Because we all know uh, that are familiar with the story, in his running, he got swallowed up by a whale. A fish. Uh, I believe it was a whale because a whale was a mammal and because Jesus actually said in the New Testament the word whale. And so for us to, uh, wonder sometimes, you know, and I have done this, like, is, is just, just a story with some good life lessons in it? Or is it true? Can a man be swallowed up by a big fish and live? Well, Jesus validated it when he used Jonah as an example. He said he spent three days in the belly of a whale. It made the whale sick. I did get that out of the whale. He made him sick. He, he didn't like it. So anyway, we've got Jonah, Jonah's in conflict, Jonah immediately. I mean, it didn't say that he pondered this, it doesn't, there's no doubt in reading this that Jonah's thinking, hey, really, is that you, God? How many of us have heard from God, you know he spoke to your heart about something, and you're like debating it, like, Yeah, you know, maybe I'll take some time and fleece the Lord over this. Jonah wasn't even about to fleece the Lord. He was a prophet. He knew when God spoke to him. He knew it. How many of you know when God has spoken to you about something and you were like, hmm, I'm not so sure now. He knew. And he immediately says, ran the opposite direction to do what? To get away from the Lord. Now, anybody that's read Psalm 139 knows what the Bible says that the the psalmist is saying. He says, even if I make my bed in the depths of hell, you're there. There's nowhere that you're not there, Lord. You are Jehovah uh, Shama. You are there. You are always there. He's closer than your very breath. He never leaves us nor forsakes us, and he's not going to let you get away. So... Uh, Jonah got up and went the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket, went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Now, he's actually going to go over a thousand miles, possibly two thousand miles. He thinks, is that enough distance? Maybe that's enough distance and the Lord will forget me. Let's read on. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help, and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time Jonah was sound asleep down in this is very important. Remember this part. Jonah was sound asleep down in the hole, so the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this, he shouted. Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our crews. Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused this terrible storm. And when they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you and what is your line of work? What country are you from and what is your nationality? Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew, uh, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to stop the storm? Now. Let's recall, God says to Jonah, I want you to go to Assyria. I want you to prophesy. I want you to declare that they need to repent or I'm going to bring judgment. Now, there's another thing at work in in Jonah. Jonah knows that God is also merciful. He's full of mercy. He's full of loving kindness. He's full of forgiveness. And he knows if this mortal enemy, these people that he despises and that despise him, were to actually repent, God would lift the judgment that he had placed on them off. And he didn't want that. Why in the world would he want God to show mercy to his enemies? Yeah, it's not too long after that. He's he's in need of God's mercies himself. Now, here's another... Th- okay, let's... Before we get to that, where am I? Um, so what have we learned so far? Obedience to God. You can't run from God. Um. Later on, we'll, we'll look at the... I don't know if I'll get to it, uh, but we all know... If you've read the story, if you haven't, I encourage you to read it uh, of the vine that grew up after after Jonah went to Assyria, after he obeyed the Lord, he went there. He was sitting in the hot sun. A vine grew up and a leaf gave him a little bit of shade. And then a worm came and ate the vine (laughs) and the the shade withered up. And I'm thinking, you know, this took a course of, of some time. But I was thinking of that picture. Get that picture in your mind. This is what it looks like to be disobedient to the Lord. You are on the run. You're hiding from a God who you cannot hide from. You cannot hide from God. And then the vine... And the worm, I'm thinking of Jonah sitting there, because what happened was he goes to Assyria, he, he speaks to them, he gives the message God gave. The king of Assyria, of Nineveh, the greatest city in Assyria, takes it to heart, and down to the very last, lowliest person, they repent And they put themselves in sackcloth and ashes and show repentance. And for that reason, that entire generation was saved from judgment. And now he's bummed. And he's sitting there baking in the sun. And he's got a little bit of reprieve and even that dies. It's interesting that a worm is what kills it. Now picture him. That's what self-pity looks like. Oh, I tried to do this, Lord, and look what I've, look at what it's become. Whatever it might be. But anytime you enter into a place of self-pity, uh, just picture Jonah sitting there baking in the sun. This came to, to life to me yesterday um, after we hiked Hatcher Pass. Which, in my estimation, Nancy goes, oh, was not that fun? And I said, no. I didn't like it at all. Didn't enjoy it. The flies were so thick. The heat was so hot. The dog was constantly pulling. And uh, and I, I thought, you know, it was nice to be with my wife. That was nice. The rest was all like, couldn't we have just sat home and had a lemonade? We've been together, but on the way home we go. You know, there's not much sounds better than an ice cream from Miller's. So off we go off a Bogard, shoot over to Miller's there, and there's a long line of cars, and I'm already thinking, eh, maybe this wasn't the best decision. Maybe this wasn't the. I, I don't have air conditioning in my truck. It's there. I just unplugged it because it was making noise, and now I don't have it. Haven't needed it all winter, right? So anyway, I decide to get out of line and go inside. That'll be faster. Well, inside, it's like 95. I don't know how those people didn't just perish that were working in there. I, it was hot. I mean, just sweating. And I was like, ah, that wasn't a best, that wasn't my best decision to switch that. But I'm watching the car out the window. I'm still ahead of the game. Still ahead of the game. But these two people were just in front of me. Did they want an ice cream? No. They wanted these specialty drinks that just seemed to take forever to make. And when they finally brought them, And all these special requests. And they're taking their time making up their mind. And I'm like, really people? There's those of us that are dying here. You know, my leaf just withered. It's hot. And uh, they're just going on and on. And finally they agree on what they want. These iced coffee drinks just this way and just that way. And they're both different. And the girl's going, (laughs) and I'm going, get out of here. Anyway, they bring him back and I'm like, oh, rejoicing. I can still see I'm ahead of the game. And the one, the girl goes, I'm not happy with this. Oh, I'll make you a different one. I'm perishing. I'm beginning to show self-pity. I'm beginning to say, I make bad decisions in life. The car that I would have been watching has disappeared. My wife sends me a text saying, you should have stayed in line. Those cars are all gone. But I was made one smart move. I left my phone in the truck. So she was just texting herself and didn't know it. Anyway... Finally, it comes. Finally, I get my ice creams and I don't have enough cash. So I have to give a card instead. And they're wilting quickly. I'm like, hurry, hurry, hurry. I get to the car and my hands are covered with melted ice cream. And off we go. And it all turned out fine. But my point in all of that was I was beginning to have a little bit of self-pity like oh man you know it's so hard and i make these bad choices life choices Uh, i guess ordering ice cream can be considered a life choice i don't know (laughs) anyway so there's a lot of things we can draw from um, jonah as far as obedience and disobedience and the lord's mercies to a people that had no covenant whatsoever with him. They, they didn't know him. They were killing his people. Declared enemies to his people. And yet God says, I want to show them mercy. If they'll repent, I'm going to have mercy upon them. And I'm going to withhold Judgment. So we can learn these things from Jonah, but the the thing I want to see the most is um, in verse uh, 15. I want to read verse 15. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the sea, the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now, we all have our favorite Bible verses, you know, the ones that comfort us in times of of trouble, in difficult times, the promises we enjoy, you know. I don't think this is one of them. This is not a verse that you would say, this is a verse I use when I'm in times of trouble. The sailors took Jonah and threw him into the sea. But those are there. Those are there to show us that there is recompense for disobedience. God loves us so much that he will bring about the hard edges of life to us to bring us back into fellowship with him. God was bringing to Jonah the hard edge of his person so that he could bring Jonah back into fellowship with him. While we love mercy. And goodness and grace. and The nature of God. And those things accurately describe his nature. And his heart. He also calls for us. For a spirit of repentance. You know, our brother Richard went on that prayer uh, venture and he's a part of this prayer team. The whole idea behind that is repentance for America. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, I will heal their land and I'll forgive their sins. Now, we see that he showed mercy to a nation that didn't have a covenant with him, didn't know him, weren't a people called by his name, and yet he showed mercy And so how much more would he show mercy to us in doing so? But God also knows that sin is not good for us. And that's why he's included verses in the Bible about justice and discipline and wrath and judgments. And when one of God's children chooses willful disobedience and remains unrepentant, unrepentant. Now let me explain that. What does that mean? I mean, uh, there's a big difference between saying, "I'm sorry, forgive me." And then there's the "I'm sorry that I got caught. They all have a different level. And then there's the difference that says, I'm sorry, change my heart, and I won't be like that any longer. And I begin to walk in the opposite direction. I begin to walk, instead of walking away from God, I walk in his um, teachings. But when one of his children chooses willful disobedient and remains unrepentant. He wants to restore them so badly that his way of wooing them back to sanity and back into fellowship often includes bringing about rough things in their lives. Now, this is the most important to me today that I want to get across, the most important part of all the different things, and you can continue to learn more and more and more out of each book, but even uh, the book of Jonah, is that when you find yourself involved with a person who God is wanting to bring back into fellowship and bringing about hard things in his life, bringing about difficulties in that person's life, to bring him to repentance... But you're involved with that person. You're going to be like these sailors on the ship. They didn't do anything. It was Jonah. But because they were connected, it says they knew Jonah was running from God. He told them. He told them, I'm running from God. And they took him in anyway. How many of us know Christians that are being disobedient, not fully repenting to God, still want to live in an element of the world in wickedness and continue to practice sinful behavior in their lives. And we, we embrace them and we say, oh, you know, I'm still, everything's fine. You know, I'm just going to treat you as a brother because I don't want to judge. Let me tell you something. You don't have to judge them. God's doing that. You don't have to be the judge. God's doing that. But you need discernment and say, I ain't getting on the boat with that person. The last people I read about that did that lost everything. So the crew Jonah took on, even though they knew he was running, they suffered loss of all their possessions. And in the midst of it, in the midst of it, they're losing everything. Everything's going wrong. They're just the innocent bystanders. They're the uh well, they're not so innocent. They they took him into the boat, but you know, they didn't know. Um they're the uh collateral damage is happening to them. So, you know, the Bible tells us a few things like uh, don't marry an unbeliever. Do, do not be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. My sister, when she first got saved, she used to quote that. She says, don't be yoked together with an unequal. And we we're like, no, Pam, it, it's this way. And <laughs> she says, no, I like it my way. <laughs> um, but in the, min- in the midst of all that, Jonah's just sleeping. He's like in the bottom of the ship, just sleeping away, missing out on what damage his decision is doing to others. You see others being disobedient to God and you involve yourself in their life, it will bring collateral damage into your life. It will bring difficulties into your life and you had nothing to do with it. You're just, you just happen to have gotten into the boat with them and you shouldn't do that so don't do that um one of the things i learned in business do not be in business with an unbeliever so in, in the years of we were to in business together we tried to do everything we did with christians and it wasn't too long into that that i said i shouldn't do anything with christians either in fact i knew some unbelievers and some christians both that said i would never go into business or do business with a christian And I'm like, well, I wouldn't do them with an unbeliever either. So, but why would they say with a Christian? I think often because Christians are not surrendering to the character and the nature that God wants to bring about in their lives. And they're not surrendering their will to that. So, therefore, it's bringing about difficulties that God wants to bring them and woo them in to his fellowship with him, and you reap the benefits of that. Which isn't really a benefit. So the crew suffered the loss of all their possessions, and Jonah's simply asleep. How often does the person who is rebellious to God unrepentive, they're a Christian, but they're being rebellious, they're being unrepentive, they're not changing, and we we involve ourselves in their lives, and they're oblivious to what's happening around them. They're just going along asleep. And you reap the effects of that. So be very careful. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 20 says, He who walks with wise men will be wise but the companion of fools will suffer harm. So that's, I guess, from a whale's perspective, my take on the book of Jonah for us today. I really want to encourage and caution us as Christians not to not love someone that you know is, is not walking with the Lord and is not changing as God wants them to. They're, they're being rebellious. They're walking in sin. They're, they're uh, um, willfully not serving the Lord. Be careful how much you involve yourself in their lives. Be careful in your choosing of companionship be careful in choosing your friendships uh make sure you're the comp- in the companion of the wise and not the foolish